Kids, come on up and take a seat on the front row. Teenagers, you can head on downstairs. Miss Renee will be joining you. If there's not room on the front pew, you guys can just sit on the floor. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I have a really cool thing I want to share with you. How many of you guys, when you were little, or if you have, hello, if you have little brothers and sisters, how many of you guys like hearing your mom or your dad sing lullabies to babies? You know, rock-a-bye baby on the treetop. I always did that with our little girls when they were babies. We would just hum or sing to them while they were trying to go to sleep. Well, one of the things I learned this week as I was preparing this, there is a lullaby that used to be sung long, long time ago. And this is how it goes. All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day, Angels watching over me. Sun is a setting in the west. Angels watching over me, my Lord. Sleep, my child, take your rest. Angels watching over me. And I love that song. It's beautiful. But I was thinking, Lord, really? Angels watch over me? Angels watch over my kids. I was reading a book this week and it said that this little girl, when she was, when she was only 13 years old, that she had to give up her bedroom because some of her family was coming because they had had a problem and they needed to move in with them. And so her aunt and her uncle had to take over her bedroom and this little girl had to move in with her baby sisters. And they all three of them had to sleep in the same bed. And the one girl, the one little girl said to her older sister, she said, you can sleep on the side of the bed that has the angel. What? There's an angel that stands by our bed all night long and watches over us. What? And I was thinking, huh? I never thought about that. I never heard that. But you know what? Let me read to you out of the Bible. This is what Jesus said about children and angels. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 18 and he said you look it up real quick 1810 he said see that you do not despise one of these little ones for i tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of god who is in heaven and i was like children have angels Now, I've heard about guardian angels before, and I was thinking, Lord, do children have guardian angels? Well, if you look in the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, it says, Psalm 91, 11, it says, let me open it up real quick. It says, God says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all the things that you do. No, God's not a guardian angel, but God has angels that guard over us and take care of us and watch over us and protect us. And you know what? I was thinking, I know a story out of the out of the New Testament that talks about that. It's in the book of Acts. Let me read it to you. It is such a cool story. It is such a cool, cool story. It's Acts chapter 12. 
There was a guy named Peter and a guy named James. They were followers of Jesus. They were his very, very close friends. And the bad king named Herod took James and had him killed. And then he took Peter and had him put in jail. And he was going to have Peter killed too, but he said, we'll wait a few days. So Peter is in the jail. He's actually down in a dark, dark dungeon where there's no lights. And his, he's like inside this jail. And then there's another room and there's another locked door and there's another locked door. And there's guards watching. And it says the church was praying for Peter. God, please help Peter. Please, please, God, take care of him. We don't want him to die. Please, God, somehow rescue Peter. We don't know how you can do it, but we trust you. We believe you. And you know what it says in the Bible? It said when Herod was about to bring Peter out of the prison to kill him on that very night before Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He literally had a chain on one arm and it was chained to the one soldier and he had another chain on this arm and it was chained to the other soldier. So he's laying in bed sleeping with a soldier on each side of him with chains on his arms and he was inside the prison. And it said there were guards standing outside of the door and guards standing outside of the other door and guards standing outside of the prison. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter and a light was shining inside the cell. And this angel literally hit Peter on the side and said, hey, Peter, wake up, wake up. And Peter woke up and he said, come on, get up quickly, get up. And it says the chains fell off of Peter's hands. And the angel said to Peter, get dressed, put on your shoes. And so Peter did so. And the angel said to him, wrap your coat around you and come and follow me. And the angel went out and Peter followed him. They walked out of the cell. The door opened up and the angel walked through it and Peter walked through it. And then another door opened up and they walked through it. And then another door opened up and they walked through it. And another door opened up. And Peter all of a sudden found himself outside of the prison, standing in the streets. None of the guards had seen him. None of the guards stopped him. All of the doors just opened up. And then it says, Peter, then it said immediately, once they were in the street, the angel left Peter. And when Peter realized that he was standing there alone and all of a sudden he was like, I thought that was a dream. This isn't a dream. I'm really outside of the prison. He said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from the hand of King Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went out to the house of his friend Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. And there were all, all of the people of the church were gathered there. They were praying for Peter. And when he came, he knocked at the door. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And he said, open up, Rhoda, it's me, it's Peter. And she recognized his voice, it says. And in her joy, she didn't open the door. She ran inside and she said, Peter's outside, Peter's outside. And they said, you're crazy. He's in jail. But she kept insisting. 
that Peter was outside. And they go, no, it's not. And then Peter finally continued knocking. When they finally opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed because God rescued Peter. And then Peter told him how God did it. He sent an angel and the angel made the chains come off my arms. And the angel told me to wake up and the angel opened all the doors and there was a there was a light that was glowing and we got out of the prison and not a single one of the guards stopped us. This was so cool. Yeah, what? I think You talk about the angel? I don't know. We don't that's not the Bible doesn't tell us anything about what powers the angels had, but something had to be going on. But that's what's so cool. So the Bible tells us, Jesus himself said, children have angels that are in heaven, seeing God's face. Psalms tells us that God will send his angels to guard us and protect us and take care of us in all of our ways. And then we have a story that when somebody was in real bad trouble and he was about to get killed, God sent an angel to rescue him. That is so cool. And that makes me think, if it could happen for Peter, it could happen for me. Remember I told you guys all about the guy that came to my house with a mattress? Is it possible that guy was an angel? I don't know. But that would be so cool, wouldn't it? See, God, there are angels. We know that. And we know that angels come to the earth and work with the people around. So maybe... Maybe God could actually send an angel to help you when you're scared or to help you protect you when you're when you're when you're in danger. I don't know, but I know that it's real and I know that God can do anything God wants to do. Let me pray with you guys. Jesus, bless these kids. Help them to come to an understanding that they can turn to you for anything and that you have resources at your disposal that we don't understand. Even if it comes to sending angels to come and take care of us. Lord, we praise you. We give you glory. We ask your blessings on these kids now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys can head on back to your class, okay? Well, we're working through the book of Matthew. And this week we are in Matthew 19. And if you look at Matthew 19, you'll see that there's three or four major. There's three major divisions, but there's four major stories going on. First of all, teachings about divorce. Secondly, teachings about children. And then finally, the teaching that's told about through the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young man that came to Jesus And then the follow-up discussion that Jesus had with his disciples. And I had planned to talk with us about children and what God, how God sees children and how God works with children. But the Lord has completely changed that in the last half hour. So it's a scary thing for this pastor, but that's okay. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and following. We're going to read through this so that it's fresh in our minds and then we'll talk about it. And behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? 
And Jesus said to the man, why do you ask me what is good about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. The man said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to Jesus, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will the rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, well, who can be who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, well, see, we've left everything and followed you. Then what, what then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you will have follow, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And what I heard God saying to me this morning, through all of this, and then through some of your testimonies, I think the young man in this story was not there trying to trip Jesus up or to trying to find a way to trick him. I think he was genuinely asking, how do I, how do I get to heaven? How do I have eternal life? I mean, what is it that I need to do? And his whole focus was doing good. If you look in, in the Hebrew culture, the idea of righteousness is, is doing good things, not because you have to, but because it's, because that's the right thing to do. That's what you do. You do good. You bring justice. You, you take care of people. You, you give of yourself. You, you give of your, of your wealth. That's what you do. So what righteousness should I do in order to gain heaven? And Jesus said, just follow the commandments. Well, I do that already. What, what, what am I lacking? And Jesus said, oh, oh, okay. Well, if you're already living righteously, then the only thing you're lacking is just put your trust where it's supposed to be. Take your trust away from your material stuff and focus on God. Give away everything you have. Give away everything you have. And then follow me. And the guy's response was sadness. It said because he had great wealth. And he walked away. This guy came intentionally saying, what do I need to do to make sure that I get to heaven? And Jesus said, just love. 
do what is right, honor God. I do that. Okay, well then, make God number one. Oh, that, that, that's different. Because see, when I have control of my own stuff, I'm in control. If I have a bank account, it's my money. If I have a car, it's my car. If I have a house, it's my house. I mean, I've thought, honestly, over the last year, my Lord, I'm 63 years old. I'm within 10 years of retirement. I've lived in this house now for 20 years, and the church has been very gracious to provide it to me. However, I lose my job. I don't have a place to live. If I get to the point where I physically can't do this job because of illness or injury, my wife is going to be thrown out. Not because the church doesn't want her to live there, but because a new pastor is going to come in and they have to put the new pastor somewhere. What are we going to do? Oh, my word. If the electric grid goes down, God, as it has, we could die. I have no way of heating that house because there's no wood-burning stove and there's no way for me, even if I wanted to, to use the oven to heat up the house, I can't because there's no electricity in that. The oven has an electronic start and there's no way for me to just turn on the gas and light it with a match. God, we would, we would freeze all of the pipes. What would we do? So I bought a generator. And I was going to talk to the board about reimbursing me. And I haven't opened that box yet because God won't let me open that box. Because again, he's saying to me, "What? Where, where's your focus, Bob? Where's your trust? So I'm thinking seriously, and I have been over the last couple of weeks, that I'm going to have to return that generator because my, my focus has been trusting on the generator, not on God. Now, I'm not there yet because it may be very much that God wants me to have a generator. It may very well, but it has to be for his purposes, not mine. Yeah. It has to be because he has directed it, not because I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Good word. So I'm not opening the box, but I'm not returning it either. <laughs> it's like, you tell me what you want. Because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to step the wrong way. I want to do what's right. You know, we, we've talked about, Renee and I have talked, in the event of an emergency, do we have enough food in the house that we could live for weeks or days or what? How, and we could, we could go for a month or more with the food that we have in the house. It's not an issue. So I don't have to worry about, but the reality is, if my focus is on my electricity, my heat, my food, my gasoline for my car, my vehicle, God, why am I saying I trust you. And then you get to the end of this story and I wanted to slap Peter, quite honestly. As I was reading through this and preparing my sermon and trying to think, well, what, what would I preach about? I wanted to slap Peter upside the head and say, what are you thinking, man? Here he has just, he has, he has, he has just told this guy Stop worrying about all of the stuff of your life and just follow me. And Peter goes, well, I've left everything. What am I going to get? Right. Right. And Jesus looks at him like, are you kidding me? 
I mean, let's look what it really happened because I'm making it up here. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then the disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished, saying, well, then how can anybody be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter said in reply, oh, I've left everything and followed you. What then will we, will we have? Quote, unquote. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, in the new world... When the whole plan comes to fruition, there's going to be a throne for you to sit on, Peter. And you're going to have literally a hundredfold added to you. And I'm saying, he literally says, verse 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So there is a blessing that's coming. But as I've said over and over and over again over the last number of weeks and months, just because it's coming doesn't mean I have a promise of it today. Just because there is ultimate healing doesn't mean I'm promised healing today. Just because God said, I will never leave you or never forsake you doesn't mean there won't be issues that I have to deal with as he's never leaving me and never forsaking me. Just as there is the potential for my electricity to go out doesn't mean that I have to stop trusting him, I should put my faith and trust in a generator. Now, that doesn't mean I shouldn't have a generator because it very well might mean that God plans to have me have a generator. But for God's purposes, not for my purposes. Because what an incredible thought. If we indeed had a generator that would power this whole part, this whole property, we could become a refuge and a shelter for the people of our community if and when something horrible happened. So yeah, there's a valid reason for doing that, but that would be the motivation, not, oh God, I'm so scared that we're going to die. I had a situation this week, some of you are already aware of it. I don't know how many of you are aware of it or not, but my daughter, um, my daughter, we gave our grandchildren uh, 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 memberships to what's called Fly Trampoline Park here in the Fairbanks area. And the kids are so excited. They can go every single day that this place is open and they can go for two hours while they're there. They're so excited. So my daughter's like, okay, yeah, we'll go. And so they went on Monday, I think it was. And they were in there and enjoying themselves for two hours. And the car was getting colder and colder and colder and colder and colder. And so my daughter went out just a few minutes before it was time to leave and started her car. And in her innocence and in her trust, she left the car running and went in, got the kids all bundled up and went out to the vehicle to find that there was no vehicle. Her car had been stolen. Now, God was very good to her and they re- they got their car back within 24 hours. The police found it. It was parked at a drug house over near the airport. Um, and the only thing missing out of it was her chapstick. I mean, the keys, there were no keys, but I mean, she had money in the little thingy in the, in the center. She had the car seats. She had all of this stuff. Nothing was taken but the chapstick. And she was like, that's weird. But the reality was she didn't have damage. It wasn't rolled. It wasn't chop shopped. It was, she has her car back. But again, it was a wake up call to all of us this week of how fragile 
our world is right now. You know, we walk around in innocence going, it's never going to happen to me. Nothing's going to ever be bad. My life is always going to be good. I got God in my life. But God has never promised no bad. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God has said to us, I will send guardian angels to walk with you and to keep you. But that doesn't mean that you won't be thrown into prison. It doesn't mean that you won't have threat of life taken from you. It doesn't mean that there won't be health stuff. It just means that you can trust God regardless of what it is. The end is I have eternal life. The end is blessing. And if I focus, I mean, honestly, I'm 63 years old. I'm less than two, two years away from having to figure out Medicare and Social Security and all that other stuff. And you know, nobody helps you. You have to learn it all yourself. And again, I don't want to focus on Social Security or Medicare. I want to focus on God. But at the same time, I don't want to be stupid. You know what I mean? So it's... You know, it's like, the, it's like the old story, you know, there's a flood and you're standing on the roof and you go, God, help me, go, God, help me. And the helicopter comes and another helicopter comes and a boat comes and then you drown. And God's like, well, I sent you two helicopters and a boat. What more did you need? Amen. So, you know, it's that idea that I need to focus my whole attention on him. But at the same time, I need to not be stupid with the way I live my life. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll just step off this cliff because God promises in Psalm 91, he's going to send angels to protect me and I won't dash my foot against a rock. <laughs> yeah, the angel held you by the ankle while you hit your No. Anyway, bottom line is this. In my mind, and, and the, what I saw here with Peter, going back to this thing about Peter, I wanted to slap Peter because it's like, Peter, you're the leader of the new church. And you, you've got it. You're still, you're still focusing on me. Well, what about us? So, what I want us to look at this morning, what I want us to take home with us, what I want us to carry with us is what I said at the very beginning of the sermon. I want God to be the bookend. I want God to be number one and number and, and the end of the day at the last thing you think about. I want God to be your whole focus. How do you want me to live, God? How do you want me to honor you, God? What can I do for your kingdom? As I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Dennis the Menace said this week, I wish we had thought to start saying, give me this day my daily donuts. <laughs> it was there, I saw it. But, but it's not a matter of, it, again, the, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter, a matter of, of meat or drink. It's a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to go home today and I want you to start thinking today for the rest of the year. How can I live my life in such a way that brings people closer to God? How can I live my life in such a way where God is number one? How can I live my life in such a way where I don't worry about all of the stuff of life? Not that I'm stupid, not that I'm foolish, but how can I change my perspective so that I trust and then truly, truly, truly live as if he were Lord? I think that's the most important thing. Yes, it's wonderful that we're saved, but if we're still on this earth, we have to live like he's indeed Lord. 
that we are willing to say, God, if you ask of me, I will give my title to my car to whoever you tell me to give it to. If you ask it of me, I will pay off my mortgage and give it to my neighbor. If you ask it of me, God, I will empty my bank account and give it to whomever you tell me to give because I know I can trust you. I know I can depend on you as long as I'm listening to you and it's your voice that I'm hearing. That's what I feel like God wants you to hear this morning. He has to be number one. And it's time. There's no more time. He has to be number one. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would bless us as we continue into this time of communion. I ask God that you would take us home and help us, Lord, to live <coughs> not with an attitude of what do I need to do to, return, to gain eternal life, but how do I live so that you are number one. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Davian, come on up.